Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, good morning. Dan Dockage here. And don't at me. I'm going to get right into this. School shooting yesterday. 21 killed at a Texas elementary school. Um, my view on this hasn't changed from last week when we had a shooting in Buffalo. My view is simple. Um, first, let me go to Steve Kerr's comments. You know what? I applaud anybody that wants to speak out. I applaud anybody that thinks they have an idea and they have a platform and they want to speak to it. I do. I mean, whether you agree with the idea, whether you don't agree with the idea, hey, look, man, that's up to you. My thought is simple. My, my thought is we, we're broke. We don't have any type of God in our schools. We don't have any type of religion. We don't have any type of discipline in our schools. We don't have any type of discipline in our families. At least most don't. We have marginalized families. We have too many, far, far too many fatherless homes. It's my view of it. You know, you can take a view that if Congress or if the Senate would pass a bill, it would solve all of it. And that's fine. I applaud anybody who wants to speak on it. And if Steve Kerr and others feel that and know enough about it to know that that bill passing through the Senate would solve this problem or at least alleviate this problem, then I would ask anybody, then why the hell isn't it being passed? I would, uh, regardless of what lobby is involved, regardless of what I would ask. Hey, look, if that bill can do what people seem to think it is, and it needs to be passed. Um, my thought is, is has, and look, I, I see people being fed up with it now. I've been fed up with it for years. I've talked on my local radio show for years and years and years about being fed up with this. As I told you, I was a scared kid, man. Scared to death. Scared somebody was going to rob. Somebody threw a Molotov cocktail at our house, started it on fire. We were robbed numerous times out of bikes, out of our garage, different things. So I was a scared kid. So I understand. I do. I totally understand. And thank God I had a family. Thank God I had a mom and dad where I felt protected. And anybody that, want, anybody that thinks that what they think is right and can help slow or stop this down I'm all for speaking out. This is not a time for me to be divisive. If you want to be divisive on Steve Kerr, uh, that's up to you. If Steve Kerr feels that way and others do, then God bless you. I'll say the same thing today that I said last week that I've said for years. Mental health is an issue in this country. You all are going to disagree with this. Probably parse this next part and put it out there and, without context. But I think it's a whole. I think that the way we dehumanize killing, the things you see on TV and video games play a part in it. Mental health, as I said, plays a part in it. The availability of guns plays a part in it. Not, no, background checks plays a part. There's all kinds of things that play a part in this. Mental health plays a part in this. But I'm a big believer, and I've always been a big believer, and I will never not be a big believer, that the family, uh, the nuclear family being torn apart 
not being valued is huge. Fathers not being around is huge. This kid killed his grandmother for crying out loud. They went and killed 19, 20 more people. I mean, think about that. Think about if you were going to, what would happen? What would, what would make you kill your grandmother? I don't have the answer to that. But I'm for everybody speaking out. I'm not for making people heroes for speaking out. I'm not, you know, if you want to know what Steve Kerr is about, Clay has articles up right now uh, at OutKick. But I will tell you this, uh, my thing never changes. My thing is always we have dehumanized human life. Somebody kills somebody, hey, what the hell? Somebody kills somebody in a video game. There's all kinds of studies. You can read them. You can read all kinds of studies on the amount of murders a child sees by the time he's 10 years old. Whether it's on a video game, whether it's on TV, wherever it is, we, we dehumanize it. You know we do. I know we do. We all know we do. You know, we can't have discipline in schools. We can't have prayer in schools. We can't have respect in schools. We can't, you know, fathers are absent. And I just got to tell you, that I think is the biggest problem in our society. That's what I think. That's how I think. I would love, I, I want to hear other people's thoughts. I want to hear people with a platform speak out instead of just saying, oh, my God, this has to stop. Like, that's why, hey, look, you agree with Steve Kerr, you disagree with Steve Kerr, you don't like Steve Kerr, you do like Steve Kerr. I personally, you know, I'm fine, whatever. But I do think this, him speaking out, I think, is a good thing. I think the more people that speak out, if there's a bill in front of the Senate that can be passed, I would ask simply, why isn't it passed? If it's a bill that could stop this in people's minds or slow it down, then why isn't it passed? And I know everybody has an opinion. Oh, it's the gun lobby. It's this, that, and the other. What's really in the bill and why isn't it being passed? That's how I look at it. If you want to go on Twitter and tell me how you look at it. But I also think this, man. Anybody that knows me, and I've been talking about this for 20-some years. No, not 20. Yeah, pretty much 20-some years, actually. Even, even when I was a coach, I talked about these kind of things. Um, anybody that knows me knows how I cry on my radio show when kids get hurt. Always have. Could not watch Wizard of Oz because Dorothy wasn't home. And my, my heart breaks. But that's not enough. You know, that's not enough. We got to keep speaking out. My words aren't going to change anything. But my God, look at the country we live in. We're not allowed. Teachers are hamstrung but disciplined. Fathers are absent. And every time something happens, every single time something happens, this side takes on that side, that side fires back, and away we go. I personally, my way of looking at the world is, if you've got a platform and you think you have an answer, use it. That's how I look at it. My platform, I have one. It's not the biggest, but I would, again, say to you, tell me where I'm wrong about fathers. Tell me where I'm wrong about discipline. Everybody knows, everybody that has a brain, understands that discipline is an important part of a child's development. Not beatings, not abuse, discipline. And until we figure this out, we're gonna we will continue to see this because we live in a copycat society. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me not to do background checks on people. I mean, what the hell? Let's see who has guns. You know, the gun thing, a guy can go get gun anywhere. I'm not for or against it. I'm for whatever works. I'm for whatever, whatever works. Bipartisan, whatever works. But man, oh man, this is two weeks in a row. And I'm not even getting into all of them. Guy walked up to another guy right in the subway and shot him. 
You know, there's so many of these things that are happening. So I'm, I'm not mad at Steve Kerr. I'm not mad at, I, I'm just telling you what I'm telling you. Until we get discipline, until we find religion, at least allow it, and until we find fathers, real fathers, real fathers, we're going to have a problem. You're seeing the result of a breakdown of all of it. At least that's my opinion. And then lastly, the dehumanization of death. We, 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 I've seen one dead body in my lifetime. My father, when he passed away in a, in a mall, in a Tesla store. Actually, we're Serbian. And uh, Nikolai Tesla is our guy, right? Only dead body I've ever seen live was my father. A lot of kids see 20, 30 dead bodies by the time they're 15. And it is sickening. Absolutely sickening. Shouldn't be. We should be protecting our children. And if we got to put police in schools, we got to put police in schools. If we got to have scanners at every door, we got to have scanners at every door. Whatever we got to do, because right now, Right now, open doors mean potential death, and that should not be. I'm going to tell you something else. I've always thought of this. I never even told my parents this. Back when I was in grade school, I'll never forget this. When I was in grade school, we used to have to go to church every day to start with at St. Peter and Paul. If you got there early, you went upstairs. you got there late, you went downstairs. So I'll never forget wondering, wondering as a kid, what would happen if a guy with a gun came into the church and started shooting? I'll never forget. I know exactly where I was sitting. Because a weird-looking dude came down the hallway with a long coat. And I'd seen enough uh, FBI shows and movie shows to wonder. I've been wondering about this since I was in fifth grade, fourth grade, third grade. I have. So criticize me all you want. Parse whatever you want of what I just said. But I know one damn thing. I ain't wrong. I'm not wrong when I talk about the need for discipline in schools to, to take to take the handcuffs off of teachers and administrators. I'm not wrong when I talk about the value of fathers. I'm not wrong when I talk about the need for religion. You know, I, it's amazing. I hear everybody, everybody goes to religion. Oh, we got, we, church told me this, church told me that. Then we need to, if you go to church and you need to spread that to other people. That's just disgusting. And it breaks my heart. But that's not, you don't come here for that. You know, you come here because we want to talk sports. And I want to talk sports, no doubt about it. And there's other news. I'll give you something else. You know, this is fascinating, too. I don't know if you saw this, but yesterday, a couple of the accusers of Deshaun Watson, they came out, and they are pretty damn strong. Hey, man, I'm going to tell you right now, they're pretty damn strong. Ashley Solis, Kayla Hayes, I mean, they're only two of 22 accusers. Two of 22 accusers. They came out, Kayla Hayes called it sick that Deshaun Watson got the biggest contract for a quarterback in NFL history. I mean, let, let's go through some of this. Now, I don't know who's telling the truth, but I know 22 women are. And I know this. I said this earlier. I'll say this again. Where are the women of Cleveland? Where's the Me Too, Me Too movement of Cleveland? Because this was a power play by a powerful client against a worker. Not a sex worker, a massage therapist. Um, Roger Goodell said they're nearing the end of the investigative period. And they are now moving on to the disciplinary period. Okay. Going to be interesting because there is no video. The Ray Rice thing was easy, right? Ray Rice was easy. 
I mean, hell, you got the video there. No one could dispute anything they did. But yesterday on Real Sports on HBO, a couple of things struck me. You know, the two ladies were very, very specific in what they had. So Lee said, look, I'm not a sex worker. I'm a massage therapist. For them to say anything was consensual, either they don't realize or they don't care about the danger that puts me in. Because that gives the, mas- the message to people that massage therapists do these kind of kids. Uh, the, uh, Solis also believes that uh, Watson's trade and contract emboldened him. She said this, everyone's so comfortable with working with him in the future is also comfortable with what he's done and what he potentially will do. Now, two separate grand juries did fail, and this must be noted, failed to indict Watson. Hayes, Kayla Hayes, she cried during the interview. You know, they were talking, one of the women talked about how he put his penis up to her. And she's like, whoa. You know, look, I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know what's real. And here's the deal. Watson's attorney said, no, he doesn't feel any remorse. He doesn't feel any remorse at all because he didn't do anything wrong. All right. You know, Solis said that contract was a big screw you. That's what it feels like. They don't, no, we don't care. He can run and throw, and that's what we care about. It was sick. Like he's being rewarded for bad behavior. I don't think the team cares. You know, Busby, who's the um, attorney, says, I don't think the king, team cares about what Deshaunson may or may not have done. And based on my personal experience with the NFL, I don't think they care either. You know, I don't know. We'll see. But there's a lot here. And, you know, Roger Goodell yesterday, um, as I said, said that this is moving on to the disciplinary phase, that this will be done soon. It's going to be very fascinating because, again, the attorney for Watson is saying something very simple. There's no evidence. You know, what he's saying is the evidence is only the women's word against Deshaun Watson's word. And what Watson is saying is, that, you know, or his attorneys are saying is, I didn't do anything wrong. He said, I didn't do anything wrong. We shall see. I mean, look, it's clear he did wrong to at least two people. They feel that way. Whether he did wrong and it can be proven in a civil trial, I don't know. But when you read, it's pretty compelling. It's pretty specific what the accusers had to say. It's very specific, actually. So we shall see what we shall see. But I got to tell you, man, uh, the Me Too movement and women of the only woman that I've seen is Jim Tomey's wife. Jim Tomey, the Hall of Fame baseball player with the Cleveland Indians, now the Guardians. uh, Her wife said, yeah, we've had season tickets since we've been here. No more. No more. I don't know how you justify it. You know, in Cleveland. I don't. But you know what? Um, I would bet that Watson gets a bit of a suspension. I don't know how long. And to move this forward to a football context, I don't know why Baker Mayfield isn't doing everything he can to fit right in there. Because, I mean, the tea leaves tell me Watson's got to face a little bit of a suspension at minimum. And if if you're Baker Mayfield, the only way that you can save your career is by playing, getting on the field, not sitting in a freaking acting cool in a podcast. At least that's my opinion. 
But obviously, it's two different things. All right, all NBA teams were announced yesterday. All NBA teams are always interesting because, like Devin Booker, if you make first team all NBA, then it affects your contract. It does. It affects the money you can make. All NBA first team, all NBA second team. Next thing you know, you have a chance to earn max money. And the first team, Devin Booker, he can make over $200 million now with a super max deal. Jokic, Greek Freak, Luka, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum. If you'd have told me, again, this is just based on the playoffs. If you'd have told me that Devin Booker was a first-team All-NBA player, I, I would have never guessed it. If you'd have had me guess who was first-team All-NBA, I would have said Jokic. I would have said Greek Freak. I would have said Doncic. I don't know that I'd have had the other two. If you'd have told me you're putting Steph Curry and DeMar Rosen on there, I would have said, great. If you'd have told me you're putting Joel Embiid on there and John Moran, I'd have said, great. I would have. I seriously would have. Like, I don't know. I mean, when you look across the board here, a lot of times we are influenced by the playoffs. If you took these guys and took a playoff, like who is the all-NBA playoff team? It'd be hard not to have Steph Curry on there, wouldn't it? I mean, it'd be hard. You know, the other guys didn't play that long. Embiid hit a game winner. Morant would be on there. Hell, Morant might be first team. Jason Tatum be on there. You know, it is interesting. I personally, I've told you this before. I get a press pass to the Pacers. I don't think I've, I don't think I've gone and gotten it in three years. Basically lets me in every game free. The seats are bad up top. One time Ernie Johnson stole my seat. He didn't steal it. It was his seat. I was sitting in it. But at the end of the day, I don't even go because I'm not that interested in the NBA playoffs. Excuse me, in the NBA regular season. I'm just not. I should be. I want to be. I wish I was. But I'm just not. So when you look at all NBA there, it's not just in the NBA. It's not just, hey, look, you're first team all league. Devin Booker, because he is first team all league, and all these guys, it enables them to get a super max deal, which super max means exactly what you think it should mean. That means the max, the max max, the super max. I do think Embiid should have been first team, but hey, look, it is what it is, right? It is, it is, it is, it is nothing there that makes me say, hey, look, uh, all right, this guy's great. This guy's not. Whatever. I mean, Embiid's terrific. He is. He's terrific. $211 million is what Devin Booker is eligible for. So I got to tell you, when that came out, that dude, at 11 points, that dog that they all laid or that dump they all laid by the Suns against the Mavs in game seven, that dump got a little bit shinier, baby, but I'm all right. I can go two point or two hundred and eleven million in the bank by being a supermax. It's pretty good. It's the only league that I know of where slappies that do the voting, uh, they can affect your contract. Seems weird. All right, the Tim Anderson saga. Tim Anderson, Josh, uh, Josh Donaldson, it got weird. It got weirder. It got deeper. We saw yesterday 
Uh, we saw yesterday that Aaron Judge came out and said, hey, man, that ain't right. That ain't right. Okay. Here's the deal. Now, now Tim Anderson's saying that he told Donaldson before, don't do that. He told Donaldson, hey, man, don't do that. Stop. There's beef between them. He's also said he could care less. Now, he did say that, all right? He called him Jackie Robinson. It seems like everybody's just airing the truth, and now let us figure it out. Donaldson said that he told and called Tim Anderson Jackie back in 2019. Here was the response. He did say that. And I told him, we never have to talk again. I don't speak to you. You don't speak to me. If that's how you want to refer to me, I know he never, he knew exactly what he was doing because I already told him. All right. Well, here's the deal. It's what I told you yesterday. I know what you're doing when you say that. I know what you're doing. But my question then is if he said that right after the article, what was he doing? That's my question. Like, I know, you know, uh, I told you yesterday, the Indy Star writer, you know, hey, Dan, you know, because I always ripped the Indy Star, wanted to box me. I know what he was doing. He was trying to embarrass me. I'm 60 years old, never been in a boxing ring. He's a boxer. Hey, we'll do it for charity, Dan. Let's box for your charity. You're such a big man, Dan. You know, you're such a philanthropist. You're a legend in the state of Indiana. Let's box for charity. I know what he's doing. I know exactly what he's doing. I mean, they know clown writer. I mean, they can write about me. They can write hate about me, but they ain't getting over on me. I know exactly what they're doing. What he was doing was he wanted me to either back down, be embarrassed, or embarrass me in the ring where I had no experience, and he did. I know that. But I'm asking here, so do they think... Does Tim Anderson think that this was a racial slur? This was a negative comment? I mean, here's the deal. Tim Anderson must think it's no different, whether it's racial or not, that's for Tim to decide. But he must think it was said in a way where basically I'm calling you jackass. You know what I mean? Or whatever. So he's like, look, if that's the way you're going to refer to me, don't talk to me anymore. I get that. I think it's a chicken blank suspension, though. Not that I've thought about it. I think it's a chicken blank suspension. I think it's a suspension based on public, I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's a facade suspension. Guys have said, my, hell, guys have said much worse than to, to that to me on a daily basis. I know what some guys are saying to me on Twitter and other places. I know. I expect it anymore. But anyway, the suspension is in. I did think it was interesting. Anderson says he doesn't care one bit about the suspension. Anderson says that in 19, he told him he went back with it. Now we're going to fight. They fought. Donaldson got suspended. And away we go. That's pretty much it, right? I think so. Ryan Tannehill. This is enough. Everything that I'm talking to you about, in sports is just crap. You know, it's just made up crap, right? 
So now Ryan Tannehill has to come out and say he's going to be a great teammate to Malik Willis. Okay. And it's big news that you do that. Like, this isn't big news. Who gives a rat's? But we give a rat's because when Ryan Tannehill didn't say that from the start, man, oh man, people lost their minds. Can you believe he's going to be a bad teammate? He's going to be horrible. Okay. Because he didn't say he was going to be a great teammate. Now he's got to say he's going to be a great teammate for a couple reasons. One, maybe he feels it, right? Maybe he just, hey, look, I'm going to be a great teammate. Leave me the hell alone. Two, maybe he just felt like it had to be said so it's one less thing people can get off his ass about. How about that? Maybe it's just one less thing somebody won't jump down his throat about. When you throw three picks in a playoff game and your team is the number one seed in the biggest sport in the country, guess what? People are going to be on your backside. So he just goes about his business and boom, that's one less thing I'm not going to have to answer this week, next week, or when we start OTAs or when we start mandatory minicamp in June or when we start regular camp. I know I'm going to have to answer for the psychiatrist. I know I'm going to have to answer for performance. I know I'm going to have to talk about the next season. I know, I know, I know. But one last thing is some rookie coming in that I'm going to have to actually talk about. So let me just get it out of the way. That's all that is, and I applaud him for doing it. It's like Justin Bieber's song, One Less Lonely Girl. One less thing I got to deal with here. That's it. One less thing I got to listen to and deal with. And all right. Man. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's all that is. That's it. Uh, playoffs last night. We had, a, we had a roof leak. Look. The only person, my wife actually said this leak. The only person I'm thinking about is Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban is front and center with the Mavs. Man, he's emailing people. He's a fan. He's sitting on the bench. He's walking through the concourse. He's made himself into a national celebrity. Got a TV show, got all kind of stuff. And here he sits in this billion-dollar building. Well, I'm sure he's put a billion into it all told. With people that are spending, you tell me what, what tickets cost. I looked it up one. Not even front row on the floor. Good seats were going for about twelve to fifteen hundred last night. And what do we got? A good old-fashioned leak. They needed to call my friends at Michelis. My friends at Michelis here will come out and fix that leak in a jiffy. Eight four four fix Indy. How about that? Or go to MichelisCorp.com. How about that? But think about it. Michelis would come out and fix your leak. No different. Guy was up there trying to, I don't know, put towels or something up there. That was glorious. I liked it. I didn't kind of like it. I really liked it. Good for Michelis or good for whoever did it. But the game itself, let's be honest, I wrote this down. Between Finney Smith, Bullock, and Kleber, they didn't make nothing. They made like 10% of their shots the other day when they lost. 
And everybody said, well, you know, you play good defense, you know, blah, 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 blah. That's fine. But the truth of the matter is Jason Kidd at a timeout, not this game, the previous game, said about the zone, hey, look, look, the zone that Golden State was playing is helping us. We're just not making any shots. And I got to tell you, the man was right. He was 100% right. He was knocked down, drag out, 1,000% right. He couldn't have been more right. They're wide open shots. They're missing. I mean, there was a little bit of a contest, but they were missing. And so what happened? Well, in this game, Finney Smith, four for seven from three. Bullock, big game, six of ten, two for three from Claiborne. You know what that comes out to? 12 of 20 from three. You want to know how you win? You shoot 12 of 20 from three by your three three three-point shooters. And your star goes and gets 40, 50, whatever the hell Luka Doncic's going to get. And, ladies and gentlemen, Luka Doncic guarded a little bit last night. Here's the deal with Luka Doncic. Do not, do not put him in with the all-time greats until he starts playing defense. Stop it, stupid. Uh, Until he decides that he is going to add to his game a la Michael Jordan and become a defensive player of the year candidate, a la Charles Barkley, a la Larry Bird, a la all of these guys that are considered great. You go out, you become a defensive player, and then you're great. LeBron James guards the best player on the other team in crunch time. I don't know what to tell you. It's what he does. Until Luka Doncic does that, he's just Alex English, a guy that goes and gets a bunch of points. Uh, Tonight's Celtics-Warriors game, I got nothing for you. I'm going to bet it. I think I'm going to take the Celtics. But these games are so whacked out. These games are so nuts. Like, you almost feel like, all right, if I'm going to take the Celtics, then I'm saying that they're going to win on the road after a win, which doesn't happen. I don't know. I know this. Jimmy Butler's back. And I also know this. Win. And this is something you can see within the first 10 minutes of the game, the first quarter of the game. When the Heat get underneath the Celtics with their quickness, they win the game. Period. When the Heat get the ball down the floor and don't have to play total half-court offense, they win the game. Period. I can't tell you which way this game's going. But what I can tell you is those two things. Watch on the defensive end. If the Heat can stay in front of the Celtics with their own man, and they are quicker in four of the five spots at least, or maybe five of the five spots, particularly when Oladipo's in there. If they do that, they will win. If they don't, I don't think you're going to see an 18-to-1 start, but I think you're going to see a problem for the Heat. All right, I got What the Hell Wednesday coming up. That's right. I got all kind of things. Granny, get your gun. Man's rapping. I got some craziness coming up. Stay right here. Retweet us. Get us out there. Tell your friends. Let's go. I'm going to check out the YouTube chat over our break here and see if anyone's out of their mind. Be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a 
happy price, price line. It's one of my favorite headlines ever. 90-year-old or 70-year-old gun-slinging Florida grandma Virginia Morrison explains why she blasted a cap into a home intruder who did not comply with her first warning. That's got everything. Joe Kinsey writes the article for OutKick. Gun-slinging Florida grandma explains why she blasted a cap in an intruder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a 70-year-old grandma named Virginia Morrison uh, grabbed her piece to defend her crib after an alleged scumbag pulled up and refused to comply with Virginia's warning shot at a home invader. Ezekiel Rosario Torres got pumped full of lead. That's right. As he walked in to her home Sunday afternoon. Think about this. It's a Sunday afternoon. You're 70 years old. You're hanging. It's Sunday. You're in Florida. It's warm. Probably sitting outside having a little iced tea, which I'm drinking right now. Uh, I don't know what he was going to do, but I knew he, I was going to protect myself. I'm a fighter. I'm going to protect myself, Virginia said. He stepped in. I turned around. I said, who the hell are you? What do you want? The guy never said a word the whole time he was here. One thing led to another, and Granny got her gun. And next thing you know, he started coming towards her. I fired a shot above her. I said, back off, dude. Yeah, she did. I didn't realize, and then he just kept coming. I lowered my gun, and I shot him. I didn't realize I hit him, but once I looked, he had a hole in his T-shirt, and I thought, I got him. I got him. Morrison, Virginia Morrison, the lady, said, I didn't want to partake his life, but it was either that or possibly my life. She killed the guy. Said, I hope God can forgive me for taking a man's life. There you go. We'll see what happens, but I can't imagine, I can't imagine that granny getting your gun and shooting a dude at her house that she's going to get prosecuted, or at least I hope not. I mean, people just can't come into other people's houses and act like idiots. All right, this is a little lighter note, okay? I got a little lighter note for you. This is something I could not do. I'm not sure I can do anything for 39 hours. I don't think I can. Maybe I can. I don't know. What can you do for 39 hours? Sleep, maybe? I don't know. A British man, he's a school teacher in Spain. He earned, think about doing this, a Guinness World Book of Records record when he freestyled rapped for 39 hours. He goes by the stage name, I don't even know, D-A-L-C-O-N, capital D-A-L-C-O-N. His name is Daniel Delcon, so he takes the D and puts it on the Alcon. He's 35 years old. He, uh, he took on the record 
for longest rap marathon for 39 hours. Now, he fell an hour short of the world record in 2021. He freestyled for 39 hours, 37 minutes, and 54 seconds, capturing the record. The previous record, this guy was serious about it. Now, think about this. Think about the record was 33 hours, 33 minutes, and 14 seconds. My man went overtime. My man went six more hours over. He, that's a whole work day. That's four or three of these shows of rapping. I couldn't do this daggone show for that long. I couldn't do this show for 39 hours. And this dude is rapping. Uh, he live streamed the rap on his YouTube channel, which by the way, ladies and gentlemen, yes, we have a YouTube channel coming up here. Yeah, we do. You just saw the advertising for it. I would ask you guys on the YouTube chat or on Twitter, what can you do for 39 hours? Now, I want you to think about, I know what guys are saying. Yeah, I could have sex for 39 hours, man. Just take me some fire. Yeah, I could do that. No, you can't. No, you can't. No, 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 you cannot. Man, you know what I could do for 39 hours? I'll tell you right now. You know, see, I'll tell you, be here, be here. Oh, okay. Really? No. No. Now, that's not what you all would be able to You would not be able to do that. You would not do that. There's no way you would do that. It couldn't happen. You wouldn't do it. And don't at me. Just don't at me. Man, you know what I could do? I probably, back in the day, I will give you this. Back in the day... I, I probably, I'm not saying I could have, but I probably could have played basketball for 39 hours. I'm not saying full court. I'm saying shooting, driving, you know, I think I could have. This is weird. I don't know what to tell you here. But so a Navy vet lied about his paralysis. I'm going to go through this with you because this is incredible. Um, He crashed with a drunk driver. He faked dozens of medical records claiming, or she, I'm sorry, claiming she had grave health issues. Lied about a drunk driver hitting her car while active duty. It was all part of a scheme to steal a million dollars. Listen to this. The woman admitted helping her husband, then then husband. Here's the deal with this. You know, Bonnie and Clyde, it ain't real. If you and your wife are going to, let me give you marital advice right here, okay? If you and your significant other are going to try to pull scams, you're going to be scam guy and gal. It always ends up in divorce. I'm sorry, it does. They try to get veteran military um, disability. They said her, the documents, this woman, her name is Farr. She documented Marie Farr. She faked that her Farr, her husband and her father were homebound, 
required full-time assistance for basic tasks such as eating, bathing, and dressing. And they were wheelchair-bound. They also told the military that they had service-connected traumatic brain injury and seizures. However, however, these three geniuses all lived normal, active lives. Far the lady ran an online business. Her husband was videotaped at a CrossFit gym. Now, he might be an idiot for doing CrossFit. I mean, let's be honest. CrossFit, there's a commercial that Dennis Duffy from 30 Rocks in. He's on a bike. He goes from, he says, I go from zero to obsessed. Well, that's CrossFit. All right, let me go through this again. And uh, Far, her father, supervised a logistics unit of 25 people while as a civilian. Uh, Far herself claimed that she suffered multiple seizures daily requiring round-the-clock care for basic functions like toileting and, and showering. Now, here's what else she claimed. She suffered aneurysms, heart attack, and leukemia. This began in 2009 when she was discharged from the Navy because she suffered post-traumatic stress disorder after being sexually assaulted. And that was all false, too. She forged 70 pages of documents. All right. They got a million dollars. Her husband got $370,912 in VA benefits. Her, her dad, Far's dad, got $168 $168,000. Man, what are we doing? They divorced. They divorced. So now she's been ordered to pay all of this or, or face a maximum 15 years or both. I've always said this. This goes back to when I was in high school. And I walked in a friend of mine's house. I didn't know him that well. But I went into his house. He was a rich kid. Went into his house, and there were some other guys there. And they had scales, and they were, you know, they had weed going. And they were weighing, packaging. And, they, I, you know, I guess looking back, it was probably cocaine going. And I'm like, man, I thought to myself, you dudes are pretty smart. Like, why don't you use your smarts? for, I don't know, good stuff. Like, why don't you use your intelligence to further humanity? Why are we doing, like, could you seriously right now, at your work, figure out a way to be such a fraud, so clever at it, fill out the documents, get all the stuff that you could get, I don't know, half a million dollars out of your business fraudulently? I could not. I don't have that kind of smarts. I don't have that kind of cunning. In a way, and this is weird, I admire it. I do. I admire it. Could you do that? Folks on the YouTube chat, folks watching this show, could you work your way through the federal government to get almost $370,000 for yourself or your significant other and another 170 rounded up for your father or mother. Could you do that? I couldn't. 
I couldn't do it. I'm not that smart. I know you all are. I know you all are. But I, I know I am not. I, to quote my good friend, Jimbo Bodner, I ain't that smart. I ain't got that kind of smarts. Use your smarts for some smart stuff. Speaking of smart stuff, the great state of Indiana, where I live, I have lived my entire life in the great state of Indiana. I have lived my entire life, other than 10 years, in this state. Now I live in Indianapolis. This happened in my county, and we all wonder about things, right? We all wonder about bureaucracy. A deputy was fired after a murder suspect was incorrectly released from the Marion County Jail. I live in Marion County. Noah Edwards, 23 years old, was let out of jail after a jail staff made an error. Now, they arrested him and took him back to jail. He had been in jail for an April murder right here in Indy. All right? Sheriff Kerry Forrestal fired detention deputy Elwin Emery after they realized they released a murderer. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, think about this. So the man that got fired, deputy, former deputy, Elwin Emery, failed to review and verify that the correct inmate was to be released. Now, I want to ask you a question. If I'm going to release a prisoner, and my one job, I don't have 20, maybe I do have 20 jobs as a detention deputy. My job is to detain. I'm guessing, as evidence here, part of that job is to release. People don't always stay in jail forever. So what happens? They get released. So I'm sitting there going, hey, you know what? Sean Black is, uh, this guy's supposed to be released. All right, we'll see you. Yeah, go ahead. Let me tell you something. I'm not the most thorough guy, as most of you know. I am not the guy that, you know, I'm an ish guy. Yeah, what, what? I got that wrong? Yeah, I got it close. Yeah, it's, yeah, I tell my wife all the time, yeah, I'm an ish guy. But I will tell you, if it were my job to release or detain murderers, I think, I know, I know, I do, I know that I would go ahead and verify like 15 different times before I have let a murderer out on the street. I'm saying to myself, huh, this is a murderer. Uh, Hey, hey, Smitty, you got some paperwork over there on this guy? Nah, hey, go ahead. Hey, go ahead. I think I would check. That's a what the hell. That is a what the hell. Like, like some of these, you go, what the? Like the gun shooting grandma, you're like, all right, I get behind that. The British man rapping for 39 hours, you're like, what the hell are you doing? You know, the web of lies is a what the hell. What the hell? Why aren't you using that to be smart? This is just a straight what the hell. 
I mean, this is just, you know, what the hell are you doing? Do your job, son. Whether you're good enough or not, I, I don't know, but how about we do your job? All right, how about this? There's some weird stuff. A raccoon gets stuck headfirst in a California roof. This, this, if you look at this picture closely, you got to kind of blow it up because the truth of the matter is that is the backside, tail, spread legs of a raccoon. You don't see, I guess a raccoon has his shoulders, a back. You don't see the back leading to the head. The head in this is inside the freaking roof. Now, remember last week we showed you up top that a possum was coming through in the Oakland Coliseum? This is a raccoon that stuck its head in the middle. You know, you, I can see how this happened, though, can't you? I mean, you're, you're, you're eating. You're, you're eating some roof. You're getting in there. You get through the roof. There's a little tar. Tastes pretty good. And all of a sudden, ah, oh, crap. Look at his face, by the way. Looks like a raccoon. Ah, oh, crap. I'm stuck. Hey! Hey! A little help over here? You know, tails up, ass out there, legs spread. It's a gross picture. But you can see that raccoon, Look about, if you look below, that raccoon was eating and clearing. That raccoon was not messing around. That raccoon's like, hey, man. I got to get in this house. And all of a sudden you come up to wood and you got nothing. You got absolutely nothing. But the biggest what the hell, as you all know, is what the hell are we doing in our country? I go back to it. What the hell are we doing in our country? What the hell are we taking discipline out of our country? Somebody, anybody, I don't even care. Explain that to me. We take discipline out of our sports team. He yelled at me. We take discipline out of our schools. We got parents running in every time a teacher says even a crossword. They're shaming. They're this, they're that. We've taken discipline out of everything. We actually do ads now. Now, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm 20 pounds overweight, and it ain't healthy. I'm not saying everyone's got to look like Kate Moss, but I'm 20 pounds overweight. And it's all in my stomach. And it is not healthy. My knees hurt. My back hurts. I can't do the stuff. So I'm going to, on diet, 9,627. But because we don't want to offend anybody, we've made being fat into a thing. We really have. We've made pregnant men on the cover of magazines, on the cover of Calvin Klein, pregnant men. What, what, what are we doing? And I have a forum. And again, as I said earlier, I know that about 99.9% of you walk this earth and don't agree with the direction of our country. Everybody, I think, would believe we need discipline in schools. Everybody, I believe, would think we need fathers. I don't know enough about a gun law, but if Steve Kerr believes that, good, say it. You know, I, I, I don't know enough. I don't know what's in the law. I don't know why... You know, everybody, I understand this. Everybody jumps to the conclusion that, that hey, uh, it's the gun lobby. Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know enough about it. But I know this. I know enough about fatherless kids. 
that grow up. I know that. I know that a lot. I had a father. I know the difference. I coached a lot of kids that didn't have fathers that wish they did. And I'm going to keep harping on this. And I may lose viewers because of this. And in fact, I had a conversation with one of our bosses about whether or not to talk about it, but I got to talk about it. We just had 20 more kids shot in a school by an 18-year-old. That wasn't white supremacy yesterday. You just can't rub that off on white supremacy. You had a guy that came in, shot his grandmother, and went into school and just opened fire. 18 years old, why are you killing your grandmother? What's going on here? You know, last thing, and then we'll take a break. Here's my thought on mental health. I was stunned by this. You know, I know a lot of people think I'm a bad guy, and that's fine. But the people that have been around me, kind of a good guy. In fact, to my former players, not bad. One of them had a serious Oxycontin problem. His father committed suicide. I had to tell him. I had to drive him back to his hometown the night it happened. Stayed in the hometown three or four or five days, whatever. whole team came in for the funeral. Uh, kid came back to play. Kid quit on the anniversary of his father's death a year later. Okay. I wish the kid didn't quit, but he did. I got it. Went back home. Not good. Got addicted to Oxy. Two years later, I'm in a bus driving to Western Michigan for a game. Two years later, I get, same night, I get a phone call from the mother, desperate. You're the only one that can help. Why? Because I was the toughest on the kid. Like, I was a Tough, ridiculous, I'd get fired right now, coach. But you know what? They thought enough of me. Of all the people in his life, they thought enough of me to call me. So the kid moves into our house. We meet him. He's, he's withdrawn. He's puking. Uh, my then wife, Jackie, uh, she understood the rehab world. So she went to get him help. You know what we found out? They no help. You know what we found out? If you got a lot of money... You can go to a psychologist, psychiatrist. You can get help that way. There ain't no help for mental disease. There ain't no help. I learned about the mental, the the availability or lack thereof of mental health help for those who don't have a lot of money. And what I learned was we don't have it. We don't have it. You got a lot of money, hey, man, go to Betty Ford. You got a lot of money, you can afford to go wherever. You don't, you can't. Can't find help. I learned that. So I'm speaking to you uh, as an experienced person in this. And I've been talking. I'm not Steve Kerr pounding. I'm fed up now. And I applaud them for doing it. I'm not LeBron James saying enough, enough. I've been talking about this stuff for 20 years. 20 years. He's talking about it on my radio show in Bowling Green. Now, my voice doesn't matter. You know, just being on this network means that I'm whatever people want to put me in a box, and that's cool with me because I I like the ability to speak out. And if you want to put me in a box, put me in a box. But I'll tell you right now, I've been talking about this stuff for 20 years. Steve Kerr, great for him. I hope he keeps talking. Clay, I hope he keeps talking. I hope everybody keeps talking. Everybody. But I'm telling you right now, until we get back to a nuclear family, until we get help, for folks that can't afford it, that need mental health help. The gun thing, if you believe that, fine with me too. Whatever you want to do is cool with me. But until we get back to some discipline in our schools, some discipline with our kids, some discipline in our sports teams, some discipline wherever it is, this ain't going to stop. It's not because we're broken. 
we are. Um, and you can argue on Twitter with me all you'd like. You can get mad at me. You can do all this stuff. And I'll tell you something else. Last thing, we dehumanize life. I mean, you know we do. I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. Only dead body I've ever seen in live was my father. A lot of kids have seen 20. I saw a video of a kid running in Chicago with his backpack and his school uniform to get away from street gangs that are walking down the street with AKs strapped to their back. That's the world we all are too afraid to change. I got a voice I'm going to use. You don't like what I say? Tough. Don't care. I'm not speaking as a guy hiding behind a fake name on Twitter. I am right here. And what I'm speaking to you about is from experience. And if we keep doing it, if we don't change it, if we just keep dividing, guess what? You know, we got a president that every time there's a shooting, he goes about white supremacy. That's dividing people. Maybe white supremacy is a huge issue. Hey, look, he should know better than me. But yesterday wasn't white supremacy. Yesterday was an eight, a troubled 18-year-old boy that for some reason woke up, not, not not all of a sudden, but for some reason, woke up and decided it's time to take 20 people's lives. Man. Uh, Allison Williams is going to join us at the uh, bottom of the hour. Uh, I'm going to get into changes in the Pro Bowl meltdown about Kellyanne Conway coming to The View. Would you be on The View? I don't know. We'll be back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, welcome back. It is Don't At Me. I am Daniel J. Dockage. I am thankful for you all watching, YouTubing, arguing, debating, discussing, whatever it is you're doing. I am thankful for you. Uh, Speaking of arguing, debating, and discussing, let me tell you one fallacy. Now, I didn't look this up this year, but two years ago, the Pro Bowl that everybody says they don't watch did a 10 rating. Now, let me put that into perspective for you. The best college basketball game on ESPN does like a two and a half. Let me say that again. The Pro Bowl that everybody says, nobody watches, did a 10. Duke, North Carolina, that everybody says, everybody watches, did a two to two and a half. NFL on TV sells, baby. So when people say that, well, they're going to get rid of the Pro Bowl, let me tell you something. You know, and I know, you know what this is. This ain't Johnny Manziel. This is Money Talks BS Walks. That's right. Money Talks BS Walks. Money Talks because a 10 rating sells advertising. Duke, North Carolina, one quarter of what the Pro Bowl does. So when you say, nobody's going to watch. Nobody watches. It's terrible. Nobody watches. No. There are things, though, 
that the NFL is looking at, because let's be totally honest, all right? Let's just be totally, completely honest. Um, it's awful. It, it, it is. It, it, it's, it's horrendous. It's no good. There's nothing about it that you like. There's nothing about it that I like. The only thing, well, there is something about it, and that is we like to watch football, NFL football, and we like to watch the stars. Like, if you ever listen to a Peyton Manning interview, to this day, years after he played, everybody laughs at everything Peyton Manning says. Well, Peyton is funny. You think if Peyton Manning was named Peyton Schwartz and he said the same things, anybody would think it would be funny? No, of course not. All right, let's go to the changes that they're talking about. Oh, no, no tackling. Really? We're going to play football with no tackling, so we're going to play flag football. Or we're going to play two-handed touch. Could you imagine, seriously, could you imagine a two-handed touch game? Could you imagine, like, no, you got me one-handed. How many arguments did you all, we all have on the playground playing two-handed touch? Like, ah, you know, you got me one hand. No, 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 my finger hits you. Flag football would be the only way to go or some derivation, whatever the hell the word is, of that. That's the only way to go right? The only way. You can't say we're going to play one-handed below the waist. That's how we used to play too. One-handed below the waist. Because when you went one-handed in the back on our playground, which was asphalt, if you pushed the guy in the back, hey, look, you knocked him down forward. He skinned his head. He skinned his face and you had to go see Mr. Kirk. And nobody wants to go see Mr. Kirk. He was an old guy with sprays. It hurt. So you got to go flag football here. Would you watch flag football? See, I think this. I think that rating goes way down if you make it flag football. Nobody wants to watch flag football. What is this, senior year powder puff? The football players are coaching the junior class? What are we doing here? We want to see that crap. Get rid of that. Second thing they're talking about, make it a celebration of the players. Now, this is interesting. This is interesting. You think you got these big stars, right? You think you're going to have this celebration of the players. We're going to celebrate the players. What are you going to do? Now, a skills competition people might watch. A lot of people have said that. A lot of people have come out and said, hey, let's do a skills competition. They already do, but that's all right. Let's do a skills competition. All right, I'm for that. But the problem you have, okay, the problem you have in the NFL is the one thing, two things actually, that we want to see guys do, and it's not really skill, is it? It's we want to see how fast they go. That's why all you hear, I mean, all you hear, right, is, hey, man, how fast is 40? Hey, man, how fast? How fast do you run? Nah, you can't run that fast. Hey, man, did you see the vertical in that dude? Like, none of us even know, right? Uh, None of us even know what the cone drill is. None of us know. 
you know, uh, hey, man, he ran a 3-8 in the cone drill. What the hell is a cone drill? I don't know. Oh, you know what the cone drill? Yes, cone drill. We don't know the cone drill from Joe Biden's ice cream cone. We don't know. We don't care. I want to see guys run really fast. Like, here's what they should do. You remember back in the day when TV, and, well, you guys weren't making that much money in TV, and they had a thing called the Superstars Competition. Like Howard Cosell, these guys would do it, man. They, you had stars too, man. You had, I'll never forget, man, you had uh, Farrah Fawcett and Lindsey Wagner. You had all these women, Linda Carter. Oh, yeah. And they had to do all these things, and it always ended up with an obstacle course. It always ended up, you got to jump, you run, you, you go, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's great. You got to get over the wall. Who can get over the wall? That's what I would like to see. I would like to see one of those packaged things where, well, you know, we go back to the first round when Dockage took on Dylan, and here's why Dylan advanced, and then you play down the final four. Now, that would be fun. The problem you have now is you, could, you got the biggest stars back then because, you know, they might get 10 grand if they won. Now, 10 grand's like, pfft. So you do that. Okay, or maybe you play seven on seven. I don't know, but you got to do something. And if you're going to make it a celebration of players, you don't have a dunk contest like in the NBA. Look, the dunk contest and the three point contest are definite. You have to have something definite, a winner and a loser. One thing we like in this country, we like people that win. First. Like, why do you think Deshaun Watson got $230 million? Because the Cleveland Browns think he can win. Second thing we like is competition. We like to see me against you who wins. You know, that's what we like. We don't want to see vague. Like, we don't, like, everybody bemoans the entire culture of participation. We want winners and losers. So set up. This is the best idea I've ever had. Superstars competition to quote, celebrate the players. Nobody cares about whether a quarterback can throw it. Here's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see, I don't know, Kyler Murray against Lamar Jackson, who runs faster. That'd be good. Jonathan Taylor against Derrick Henry. Who could do an obstacle course quicker? That'd be good. I'd watch that. I don't want to see guys rolling out, throwing it into a you know, clown's mouth, and then the next guy doing it. I got to see mano e mano. Would you agree with that? I think I got this solved. I got to see mano e mano. I want to see individual tug of war. You got a rope. You got a pit. Or I want to see linemen versus linemen, wide receivers versus linemen. We need winning in this society. We don't need fluff. I ain't mad at fluff. I don't mind fluff. I wouldn't even mind being a fluffer, if you know what that is. But I got to tell you, we need winners and losers. We need a young stars game, young first. No, we don't. If you're going to change it, make it competitive. Well, somebody's going to throw an Achilles. I know. 
I know. People want brought back, you know, those moving targets and quarterbacks throwing. That's all good, but I want to see one guy against the next. Why do you think the three-point contest has somebody on one end and somebody on the other end? They're kind of shooting against each other, even though it really doesn't matter. The total number matter. Well, we like to see people go against each other. We do. That's what we like to see. So I'm all for that. You know, the last thing and the most interesting thing is this. Now, you got to be careful here, but I read that this can just be done by rules committees. This doesn't need some big vote. This doesn't need some crazy big vote. So... By not having a big vote, why is that important, Dan? Well, it's important because that means this could happen. If we had to go out of our minds and have big votes, well, D. Smith and his crew needs to get something on a percentage, this, blah, 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 blah. No. There's no freaking vote. You just do it if you're the NFL. I don't want to see a seven-on-seven, although I wouldn't be mad about it. I don't want to see much. You know what I want to see? I want to see mano y mano. See, right now, ESPN's putting all these thoughts in prayer. LeBron James, I don't care what these guys have to say. I'm glad that they're saying something. I I want, look, that's why I didn't mind what Steve Kerr said. At least he offered a solution. At least he offered a solution. I'm sorry, I digressed right there. I'm offering a solution right now to the Pro Bowl, and that is make it a competition. All right, hey, look, tune in. We got a bracket. All the running backs, well, however many running backs there are, we got a bracket. You against you, you against you, you against you, you, and and like an NCAA tournament of sprinting. Nobody wants to see Rich Eisen. I love that Rich Eisen raises money with his 40-yard dash, and that's great, but who cares about that? Who cares about Adam Shefty, little Shefty being scrappy and catching a football and falling down? I don't care about that. I think it'd be interesting. Derrick Henry against Jonathan Taylor running through cones and doing kind of a, I don't know, thing. I think that'd be awesome. I do. I think that'd be awesome. So there you go. There's my solutions. And I like giving solutions. I'm not just going to say, man, you got to change it. No, I don't want that. There's your solutions. No tackling. Don't have the game if you're not going to tackle. Celebration of players? Yeah, how do we celebrate them? Winners and losers. Winners and losers always matter in our world, period. Don't at me about it either because they do. And then just do it. Well, you know, you know, what made the, you know what made the NBA? They really made the NBA. One of the things, there's a lot. Bird, magic. Michael, okay, Isaiah. But what really helped the NBA was All-Star Weekend when the stars figured it out and played in it. That's what the Pro Bowl needs. The Pro Bowl needs a competition where the players that are the stars, whoever you think is a star that makes the Pro Bowl, plays. Hell, half the guys don't go. What happens in the Pro Bowl is guys say, yeah, I got a pulled, you know. So then somebody else goes, and everybody gets to say they're a Pro Bowl player. Everybody gets, you know, hey, man, I made the Pro Bowl. Give me $50,000. Hey, I'm trying to get in the Hall of Fame. I made four Pro Bowls. Well, you made them because everybody else was in the Super Bowl. That's the way of the world. That's how you fix the Pro Bowl. 
right, something interesting happened the other day. Like, The View. The View is getting a lot of views. Like, I think Whoopi Goldberg is, I, I think everybody, Joy Behar, I think they're the dumbest people on TV, and I'm not going to lie to you. I've watched it once, but I keep track of it because of the level of stupidity that comes out of the mouths. Whoopi Goldberg actually called the Archbishop of San Francisco, dude. Hey, dude, it's not your job to say that Nancy Pelosi can't get Eucharist. Well, of course it is. The level of arrogance and stupidity is legitimately off the charts with those clowns. But hey, look, they keep on keeping on, baby. That show's been on forever. I had a friend of mine, and she'll probably deny it, Samantha Ponder. Samantha Ponder told me one time that The View, Whoopi Goldberg said, hey, man, no white women this week. That's who we're listening to. No white women this week. She was supposed to host. She had hosted once. <laughs> That's what she told her. That's what, Samantha, that's what Sam told me. I said, hey, man, you hosting The View? No. Uh, Whoopi said no white women this week. How about that? Whoopi, what are you going to do, man? It's beautiful. Go get them, Whoopi. But anyway, all right, here's the deal. So Kellyanne Conway, you all know, she, she was the former counselor for the White House. All right. She was on The View Tuesday to promote her new memoir. All right. Her new memoir is called Here's the Deal. It's a Trump tell-all from somebody that's as close as anybody. All right. People absolutely lost their mind. I mean, they lost their mind that she was on The View. She, look at this, Kellyanne Conway is an accomplice to every horrible thing Trump did, and she should have no place in public life ever again. Horrible thing? Like raise gas prices? Don't tell me this doesn't involve electric cars and this whole Green Deal trying to make us a not horrible thing, like can't get out of Afghanistan? Horrible thing? That's what people do. All right, we can slow these down because I'm going to talk about it. For the love of God, do not buy Kellyanne Conway's book. She was a constant enabler of all things. All right. Okay. She was a constant enabler of all things. Don't buy her book. What they are telling you is cancel Kellyanne Conway. Because she was paid to do a job, she did the job, and you didn't like the job. And Amy Siskind, she's an activist, she's an author, she got a lot of Twitter followers, so she could bury us. But she, of course, flying her flags, doing all the stuff that she does, is typical. Can we put that one back up, if you don't mind? Can we put Amy Siskind's back up? I don't know who Amy Siskind is. I have no idea. I don't care who Amy Siskind is. But this is your most typical. This is a person that claims to be inclusive, except, oh, wait a second, unless you disagree with her. And then you got to cancel. People say there's no such thing as cancel culture. There's your cancel culture. Don't buy her book. 
She's awful. She's an enabler. Okay. Because this activist slash, uh, and, and the picture is perfect. Just the smug person. It's beautiful. It's great. Rip me all you want, Amy Siskine. I don't care. But don't buy her book. They, they come like, darkness, isn't this supposed to be the party of number one, science, which they failed miserably at, and number two, compassion and empathy and inclusion? Yeah. Yeah, buddy. And, you know, all right. Hey, it is what it is. But I'm not surprised. I mean, let's be honest. The most inclusive folks, it's always funny to me. It's always funny. Um, Saying she wanted to talk about the big lie, which is uh, Trump thinking that he won the election. Co-host Sonny Hostin noted that people around Trump lied to him and told him he won the election before asking Conway if she ever lied to him about winning. Never, Conway replied. I think it's pretty obvious that Joe Biden is the president. I can't believe we're still talking about this respectfully. All right. Then later on, she got booed by the crowd. All right. Let me tell you, hold on. Uh, I write extensively about this in my book. I'm the closest person to Donald Trump to tell him the earliest that he came up short. It broke my heart. I want him re-election. He should have run large. He had all these accomplishments. He's running against a guy stuck in the basement, and you're in the middle of a pandemic. At that point, of course, the most inclusive audience started booing. Host Whippy Goldberg, good for him. She chastised her own crowd. Let me do something before you say anything else. Listen, this is the view, and this is her view. And she's talking about how she feels and what she knows. Please don't view her. And Kellyanne Conway had a great response. She said, hey, look, the booing was because she told the truth, saying that Biden was stuck in her basement. Then they got nasty with her. They always get nasty with her. And, you know, all right. But the world that we live in still exploded. We got one more here. There's a bunch of these. But, you know, we got one more. Grandma, two pounds. What's Grandma, two pounds mad about? What the hell is she mad about today? I think, you know, Grandma, I just watched Kelly on The View. I haven't missed her lies, deflection, continuous words with no meaning and constant noise. That sucks the air right out of the room. Really? Only because, on The View, she has a different view. I personally, this is among my favorite things. It is legitimately among my favorite things. My favorite things are my family. My second favorite things are activity. I love gambling on golf. I like sports. I like a lot of things. But this is among them. Watching people that get so insane because somebody... Somebody has a view different than yours and then claiming to be inclusive, have empathy. I'm sure old big cat grandma and Ms. Siskind wear shirts that say be kind. Or maybe they're the tough one. 
Maybe, hey, I don't wear be kind. I got to smash the other side because my side's right. Well, I got to tell you, regardless of what side you're on, what's happening in our country right now ain't right. And you can believe it. You cannot believe it. You can do whatever you want. But something happened between the time that we weren't in wars, our, we, our stock market was booming, inflation wasn't a word, and we had a buck 79 gas. Now, everybody wants to say the pandemic, that's fine. But I got to tell you, Kellyanne Conway, I don't know what her lies are. Neither do these people. All you got to do is say, Trump lies, orange man bad, and you get reaction. Hey, look, I thought these folks were to be inclusive. Well, there's times you got to stand up. I'm sure there's all those answers. It's easy to be inclusive when you are around your own. You go to whatever bar you go to, you're around your own. Hey, Jimmy, come on over. Let me, let me set you up. Easy to be inclusive. It is impossible for the folks here to be inclusive with somebody that you disagree with. It's become literally impossible. I mean impossible. Hey, you're the worst. You suck. You don't believe what I believe. All right. Okay, fine. It's like yesterday when we had Taylor Silverman on, and she was great, by the way. Uh, you know, she was great. She came on the show, and she said, this isn't homophobic. This isn't anything other than me protecting women. And I, I read the, re- you know, the replies. Some were nice. Some were not so nice. Uh, some were great. Some were not so great. You know, it makes sense. But man, so many, so many were just so hateful about her performance, who she is, what she's trying to do. And I looked up most of the people and they're all these fake inclusive people. There's two things you can count on when you see somebody yelling at you on Twitter, right? There's two things. One, you can always count on a Bible verse somewhere in there, unless they're a total bot. If they're a real person, uh, you can always tell. And then there's some kind of flag. Might be Ukraine. Might be the American flag. Might be gay pride. I don't know. But there's always some kind of flag. Because they want to show that they are inclusive. And everything they do in their life says differently. But hey, on Twitter, I'm inclusive, damn it. And get out of here if you don't think that I am. (laughs) People are full of crap. People are full of crap. A couple of other things. Uh, Look, Dan, you are a moron. I know, I'm a moron. I am. I'm a moron. A lot of people are saying just cancel the Pro Bowl. Uh, guy says, look, just cancel it. That's all. Just, hey, look. Uh, another guy, Brandon, says, allow hitting and tackling. Well, they do allow it. Guys just don't want to do it. I understand not blitzing. But allow a defensive lineman to tackle the quarterback. Listen to this. This is where uh, Brandon's getting smart. 
Give $100,000 to the winners, $50,000 to the losing team, $100,000 bonus to the offensive and defensive MVPs, and go about the business. A friend of mine in the NFL says this, in regards to the Pro Bowl, separate the wheat from the chaff. Invite the best players. Actually play football, not two-ended tents. Make the payout bigger for the victors. No matter how much these guys make, very few will pass up straight cash, homie. If guys are scared, then don't play. Others that actually want to compete versus the best of the best will fill in and take the dough. That's from a friend of mine in the NFL. That is the answer. But I got to think that's how this whole thing started, didn't it? You go to the Pro Bowl, you play against the best of the best, and next thing you know, uh, we're going to give you money. And then next thing you know, I'm making $250 million, $230 million, and guess what? I don't want to play. I don't get tackled in the summer. I don't get tackled in the fall. I, don't get, ta- I get tackled all the time. I don't get tackled in the springtime. I don't want to do any tackling, but I'm with him. Invite the best of the best. If you don't want to play, find somebody else. Let's play. Or, I don't know, move it to a different time when nobody has an excuse not to play. Well, I'm in the Super Bowl. I can't play. I don't know. But I do know this. When the NBA does stuff, when the NBA did stuff, let me back up, like slam dunk contest and Jordan against Dominique, three-point contest, hell, Bird didn't even take his damn jacket off. Whap, whap, whap. Those guys participated because they understood the sport. They understood the need for them. They wanted the attention. They wanted the competition. Guys today, swear to God, they would rather not play. You look at the NBA. We got a guy, Malcolm Brogdon, making $30 million. Played 35 games. Like a million a game. It's absurd. Guys don't want to play. LeBron James came to Indy a couple years ago, 11th game, had to take it off for load management. Oh, okay, 11th game. That's less than half a high school season in the state of Indiana. Guys don't want to play. They don't want to play. Pitcher goes five innings. We think the guy's valiant. He went six. You're telling me Michael Kopech went six innings yesterday? What? Oh, gutsy. Please. All right. Coming up, we got the best. She's the best. I got to find out when her new show is starting. Allison Williams is going to join us. Obviously, we got a lot of topics to talk about with A-dubs. We'll come back live. Not, I don't think, from Jackson Hole, Wyoming anymore, wherever the hell she was setting up camp. Uh, We'll talk to Allison Williams uh, when we come back. I got a lot to talk to her about, including what she go on The View next. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey, welcome back. Don't at me. It is the best. Allison Williams joined us, joins us. You can see her Twitter handle right there. Hey, A-dubs. Sam Ponder, when I worked with her, was sometimes co-hosting The View. 
And she was supposed to co-host, and she didn't. She was with us. I go, what happened? She goes, Whoopi Goldberg said no white girls on the show this week. Would you host The View? Would you Would you go on The View? Hmm. Um, I mean, I feel like you can't turn down a platform of that size and that reach, right? I mean, especially for somebody like me, like, nobody knows who I am. So that would be a huge opportunity. Um, but they are, they aren't open to listening to people who don't think like them. And they've established that time and time again. And I find that a bit troubling. So I think that would make me want to not go on there. I mean, whether it's Sam or Michelle Tafoya, um, or even the one woman they had come on who explained why she wasn't getting vaccinated. They had her on via Zoom. She was a friend of theirs, I'm drawing a blank on her name. And they, they never let her even finish a sentence. I mean, they just kept cutting her off and attacking her and, and all that stuff. So I, I, I think it would be um, an opportunity that you could not turn down, but it's definitely not an argument you're ever going to, like, I just don't think you're going to make any um, ground if, in, in anything you believe in going on that show unless it completely aligns with the host because they will literally just um, they'll like they'll they'll over talk until you don't get a chance to make a point so that's the one thing I don't like like I don't mind having conversations with people that are ideologically not aligned I mean I think that's important but um, I just don't think they are open to hearing other views than ones that align with their own yeah they were actually Kind of human to Kellyanne Conway yesterday. I mean, it wasn't the best, but it wasn't the worst. In fact, Whoopi Goldberg, I was just talking about it, kind of chastised her own crowd for booing her. So, you know, but I'm with you. I mean, it seems like a pain in the ass is what it seems like. <laughs> to yeah, me anyway, I mean, I like, you want to have conversations with people, right? Like you, But you want to know that you're going to be given a fair shake and like an opportunity to express yourself and explain right. yourself. You don't need them to agree and, and see things the way you do, but you do want to feel like you're at least being heard and giving a fair opportunity to be heard. And that isn't always the case with them. No, I, I agree. Hey, roof leak last night uh, at the Mavs game. Had you been in anything like that? I feel like, yeah, usually though, I think when it's on the basketball court, it's, it's the ice underneath from the hockey, you know, ice below that's like seeping up. That's creating a problem. Um, I think there's always weird stadium things going on or lights, like lights going out. I've been doing the broadcast when the lights in the arena just went out. Um, that, that was a little, a little different, but yeah, I've definitely been in scenarios where you're mid game or getting ready to start a game and there's delays because of the most, unusual or unthinkable things. I mean, these things definitely happen, but it also makes you appreciate like how hard the stadium personnel work to make sure that everything goes flawlessly and this stuff doesn't happen more often is actually, I think, kind of amazing because these buildings are massive. Some of them are old. And um, I mean, yeah, we all have dealt with a leaky roof at some point, right? It's the biggest pain in the butt ever. You definitely don't want it before like game four, but um, yeah, we've, I think we've all been there as broadcasters where the unforeseen and inevitable and dreaded delay takes place because of some kooky animal or act of nature, or water, or whatever it is that's, that's taken place that they got to take care of. I had forgotten. I, I had forgotten in Super Bowl 47, it was uh, San Francisco and Baltimore, the Battle of the Harbaugh's. The lights went out for 34 minutes, if you remember. Remember that? 
Yeah, wasn't it halftime and like the Beyonce show or something? And we're like, ah, oh, she blew it out the lights. Like even the lights went out. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, it happens. So like even on the biggest stage in the world, you can't always predict these crazy things. If I was Cuban, I'd be sitting there going, oh man, I spent a billion dollars or whatever it is on this place. And now we got the lead. The roof lit, what? And guys up there with towels. I thought it was pretty awesome. I, I thought it was interesting. Let's put it that way. I did. I thought it was cool. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm and you, Well, you feel for those guys. Can that you imagine? Falls upon like, don't, I had a game too where um, the shot clock just stopped working. Like one of them just started malfunctioning, right? And then you have all these guys who are scrambling to get it fixed with everybody watching them. Everybody, like they're on air. Like these are not guys that are used to um, having their work scrutinized and watched and they're scrambling under pressure, knowing everybody's waiting on them. I always feel for those guys who are like called in to save the day. A guy I knew from being at Indiana he recently passed away, my friend John. And John, in describing him on my radio show in Indy, I said, you know the guy that every time there's a malfunction at the scores table in Assembly Hall, you see his ass because he's running out there and he's always bent over and he's underneath. And people are like, yeah, I know that guy. I know who that guy <laughs> Yeah, he passed away. Oh, yeah, that's, you know what I mean? And that's exactly what you're saying. The guys that do that, we get to know if you're, if you're, I don't know, doing games. Yeah, you do. And like as a reporter, a lot of times you have to go hunt them down and find out, you know, what's going on, especially if it's before a game and it's causing a delay. And, you know, they don't want to have to explain the inner workings of their, their stadiums or their facilities and what their guys screwed up or the wrong thing that was clipped or whatever it is. And um, yeah, they're, they're good working, like good, hardworking people usually that just want to do their job and go on notice because that's how they know their job. And then when things go wrong, everybody's like, Hey, yeah, that guy. But um, yes, I always feel for them because that's not a position they're comfortable with, especially um, on that kind of stage. And you have to talk to them. Like, I know Bardo guys are in your ear going, hey, you got to see what the problem is. There's a the guy. Go get right. You got you got to talk to the dude. And that's the last thing, as you said, that dude wants to do. He don't want to talk. Oh, yeah. He sees you coming and it's like, oh. <laughs> but when the sprinkler system goes off in the middle of a football game, like somebody's got to answer some questions. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, uh, way more serious. No shooting again this week in um, – uh, Texas, and I, I know I've said this. Look, if you got, I don't mind what Steve Kerr did. I don't mind what anybody does. I look, if 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 we have a problem, we we've got to get back. And I've talked about discipline in schools and and dads being important and and a lot of different stuff. You know, on a broad level, what, what do you see here? What 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 can be done? What are there any solutions to this? There has to be. There has to be. Honestly, um, there is a problem. We have too many smart, compassionate uh, people in this country that need to put their heads together and figure out because there is a major problem in the US and it is unique to our country, it is unique to our youth um, and it's not fair to our children. And, and this one, um, it, it hit differently. Like I, I never thought that I lacked um, an empathy after, after Parkland or Sandy Hope because I wasn't a mom. And then I dropped my kid off at school yesterday, Dan, and I'm reading this and it, it, I mean, I'm sure, you know, as a parent, like you start to just go through your mind, like how, how this is even their reality, you know, after yesterday, like how do these 
parents go forward having dropped their children off at school and not picked, like I can't even I can't even wrap my mind around what that is like for them. And it is a problem. And I don't know what the solution is, but we got to figure this out because the fact that 18 year olds are going into supermarkets and elementary schools and are just killing random people in mass is not okay. And, and, and that's not a country I want to live in. That's not a country you want to live in. Um, and, and I know that everybody feels that this is wrong and there is a problem now when you start to politicize the solution is when we start to lose ground. And, and that has to be, there, there has to be a way to work past, um, past that and, and have honest, real conversations about the multifaceted layers of what's going on, the mental issues, the gun access issues. I'm not saying we have to blow up the second amendment. Like I'm, I, I'm not in support of that, but I do think there has to be stronger regulations and we have to do more um, to identify and help people who are struggling with mental illness, because there is something seriously wrong when 18 year olds, young, I mean, God, 18, he's 18. He's got his whole life in front of him. Same with the Buffalo shooter. And this is the path they're choosing. Why do they feel like this is the outlet for the anger and, and the, the mental illness, obviously that they're suffering from, um, it, it, it needs to be a multifaceted approach and solution, uh, but we have to do something. The, the inaction, I'm with Steve Kerr, like the inaction is frustrating. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, th this can't be acceptable. And I don't, I, I truly believe it isn't, right? Like I, I really believe that people want this to change and to stop. Um, but the the politicalization and the the way that these tragedies get manipulated isn't helping. Like we need to have real conversations about what is at the root of these these horrific shootings because this just it, it should not be the reality for parents um, in any part of our world or is, but especially any part of our country. It's just it's just not acceptable. You know, you and I, and I, this is one thing, and, and you don't, if you don't want to comment, if you're not comfortable commenting on it, certainly don't. But um, I, I, I draw things based on my own experiences. And one of the things that I was incredibly fascinated, yet incredibly saddened by, was when I got into broadcasting, particularly at ESPN, and we were doing games, and you would learn kids' stories. And this just made me incredulous and Obama spoke about it and I've, I've been speaking about it since I've had a show and I, but the lack of fathers in, in kids' lives. And, and again, it's a multifaceted thing, but the lack of fathers is one thing that stepped to me in our career. You know, when we worked together, you would interview a kid and you'd be like, you know, tell me about, you know, my mother, my, you know, and that's not the only answer. There's a ton of answers. And I'm for everybody speaking, and I'm for the people that have influence, a real influence, whether it's, you know, psychologists or politicians, you know, addressing these things. But, man, I saw the other day Tony Dungy was talking about the absence of father, quoting what Obama said. That got politicized. After this, it immediately got politicized. Honest to God, uh, Allison, it's almost like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result because every time one of these things happen, the first thing we do is politicize it instead of take, take a look at, okay, what is happening here? Does that make sense? Yeah, yes, absolutely. And I think we, we have to stop doing that and we have to stop 
viewing these events and the perpetrators of them through the lens in which it supports our biases or our beliefs. Um, and we have to be right. open to the fact that all solutions seem to be on the table, right? So, so as soon as these things happen, I think there's this, um, it, it, there's like this almost innate push to paint a picture that continues what we believe is the problem and that people can point to see this is why, this is why, this is why, instead of saying, okay, what are the facts? What are the common denominators? What do these people have in common? Um, what's going on in their homes? What's going on in their, their schools? What's, what, what are the things that are radicalizing them? Um, yeah, I think we need to look at families. I think we need to look at how we can offer more support to, to kids who don't have stability at home. Um, oftentimes it does track to, to instability within the home. And I think we can do that without blaming um, parents who are in difficult situations and some of them beyond their control. Um, so yeah, I think all solutions need to be on the table. I think all, all views need to be listened to um, and analyzed and with an open, honest, unbiased lens through which we can say like, if, if this if this is happening consistently and these factors are consistently present, well, then that's how we start to identify and work towards a solution, right, with anything. So, so if, if we want to deny certain aspects or others because of, again, biases that we carry into the, to the topic, um, that's not helping anybody. So um, I really, I think as Americans and people in power, like we really have to put those things aside and say everything's on the table. What do we have to do? Because it's that important to figure out um, how we can help people that are perpetrating these events and make them more difficult and, and protect our children and make this place safer for everybody, um, but especially our school age children. You know, I, I, um, I say this, I said this about the Buffalo shooter and I've said this also for years. I know that people want revenge, right? Like I, I'm, the Buffalo shooter got taken alive. I, I wish these guys that, you know, these perpetrators would get taken alive so you can study them. Does that make sense? Find out exactly yeah. what you were saying. Why? What happened here? You know, I know we want revenge. I, we got to, but man, I, I, I would like some, re, you mentioned there are some really smart people to delve in here so you can see warning signs in your community or in your household. I, I think that's important. Mm -hmm. I do too, um, because something, no matter how mentally disturbed someone is or the problems people are facing, like, the majority of the population, there's there's a filter, there's a switch, like they, there's a line they don't cross. These people are missing that. Something's sending them over it. Like, what is the motivation? What is um, what is going on inside their brains that makes them think this is the best option, path, action for them? Because or, or, or worse, and that's what they want. Um, and I think the Buffalo shooter wrote like a 180 page manifesto or something crazy like that. But it, it, even those, it, it's hard to really interrogate and, and know what's truth and what's, you know, really at the root of it without having the person there to interrogate, which is often not the case because they either kill themselves or get killed during during the action. Um, but yes, I, there's there's got to be more um, more we can do to identify the warning signs of somebody who is capable of something like this, because um, there seems to be a lot of commonalities 
between these kids that are disturbed or young people that are disturbed. And, 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 and that's, that's got to be part of the conversation too. I mean, maybe we need to change the age for some gun laws, like the percentage of crimes that are committed between um, by 18 to 24 year olds is, is alarming. That's an emotionally fragile stage for a lot of these young, usually men that are doing this. Um, so uh, yeah, I think we need to look at it all. And I think we need to start really digging into what's going on. That's, that's, that's sending these, these, um, young people to committing these horrific crimes because we got to get to a why, right? Like, like this is just happening too much. And, and what are we doing in this country that's putting our, our citizens and our, our young people in this position? I want to change because I, I, I love your view on things. I don't, I, I didn't send this to you, but I'm going to ask you about it. Did you happen to see any of the accusers of Deshaun Watson? And if you did, what did you think? And if you didn't, we can move on. Yeah, I didn't watch them directly, so I probably shouldn't comment. I saw some of it on um, Get Up yesterday, like secondhand stuff. Um, I know one of them was very like outspoken about the money he received. Um, the, the thing I will say with the Deshaun Watson case is it's, it's alarming the number of accusers and, um, it seems like the lack of action or I would say the apparent inaction by the NFL, like I know it's still playing out. Um, but it's been very odd to me how this has been handled so quietly, like, like he can still sign multi-million dollar contracts and it's kind of acted like it's not going on. There's a 24 women. It's a lot of people. Um, so I have not seen some of the most recent stuff, but it does seem very bizarre that the handling of this seems very different than other um, similar cases in the past. How much do you think not having, I, I was talking about this earlier, you know, Ray Rice and that whole deal, you had a video, right? It's right there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he, you can't dispute it. You know, and, and the reason I thought of that is because Watson's lawyer is saying, look, he doesn't have remorse because he didn't do anything wrong, which to me sets up a they said against he said kind of a deal. Yeah, that's always a struggle, right? When it becomes a he, he said, she said type of situation and there isn't proof. I mean, that's why so many accusers don't speak out because they know that's exactly what it becomes when there isn't video and there isn't evidence. I, I just think that when you see the sheer number of women that have come forward, that that to me is like, okay, it, like some, something's off, right? I mean, just just by the, the number of people who say this happened to me too, that is, is incredibly alarming. It's not like this is one or two isolated incidences um, or, or individuals that this happened with. This seems to be, unfortunately, a common theme with him. You know, are you, uh, when I saw, I'll be perfectly honest, when I saw that he signed this deal, I thought to myself, what the hell? Like, like this isn't over. I mean, I follow this fairly closely. This isn't over. As a woman, are you offended by the number, by the money he got, by the, by the I'm not going to say insensitivity because the NFL is saying they're, they're, Goodell said yesterday they're finishing the investigative part, moving it to the disciplinary part. So I guess they're doing their job. But the sheer amount of money that this guy got with a, a callousness, at least in my view, of what the Cleveland Browns, how they presented it. I, I, as a woman, do you have a thought on that? Yeah, that's I, that's what it was so surprising to me is that they would proceed with this type of contract with this hanging over it. I mean, 
it was it's not settled so to me it seems like it's very it kind of flies in the face of like all right well we know we're going to get this taken care of there's like this arrogance of it'll be fine he's our quarterback we're just going to move forward instead of hey we need to really do our due diligence here and make sure that these accusations are false um and before we commit to our quarterback at this level with this amount of money. Um, so yes, it felt very dismissive, if you will, of the accusations, like they were inconsequential or something and who cares, we're gonna move forward and pay this guy because he can play. Um, so that to me was what was very bizarre because I it, usually it's like, all right, we have to see what happens with these cases. Let's let them settle, play out, take disciplinary action. Then we know what we're dealing with. This time it almost seemed like they were, they were um, you know, unfazed by the potential ramifications of what he was being accused of. And maybe they know something we don't know. Um, but to pay somebody that kind of money and this, this sort of instance to me seemed very bizarre. And like I said, dismissive of the severity of, of what he's accused of. When's the show coming? Hopefully this summer. <laughs> oh, man. Um, we're good. It's plugging along. We're here in Spokane uh, doing an interview today. We've got one more at the end of the month. Um, so we'll have four in the can, and then it, it kind of goes to post and, and takes on a life of its own with people much more talented than I that make it look all jazzy and stiffy and fun to watch. Um, but I'm hoping this summer will be will be one that'll, that'll kind of launch. So We'll get the baby out, the show out, and we'll all be 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 sipping some um, some margaritas this summer. Hopefully, cheersing somewhere. <laughs> will it? Will it be? If I were gonna make make a bet, do I bet on the baby first or the show first? That's so funny. I actually, when we were sitting down with Jonathan Isaac in New York, I asked, <laughs> I said, "What comes first, this kid or this interview getting released?" And he's like, "It better be the interview. I think it'll be the kid." I think I think the I think the baby will this baby will come before the the show baby unfortunately <laughs> or fortunately yeah, two babies no, two babies one everything. summer you, what is it two babies you, what <laughs> two babies one summer that should be the name of your there book you <laughs> there you go yep exactly. oh man thanks for coming on I always appreciate I love your perspective man. I, I love your I perspective, you. Allison. Thanks for coming on. Anytime. Thanks, Donald right. It's always good to see you. That's my friend, Allison Williams. Show is on the Daily Wire coming up here this summer. We're betting on the baby or the show. You know what I mean? Baby or the show. We'll see which way it goes. I'm betting the baby. I don't know. The show may be there, too. I don't know. Uh, what are we going to bet on today, ladies and gentlemen? What are we going to bet on today? I'll tell you what we're going to bet on today. Now, I am not, I'm not overly confident about this, but I'm putting it this way. Were I to bet pregame on the Heat Celtics game tonight, excuse me, I would bet on the Heat. I would take the point and a half. And I would bet on the Miami Heat. Yep. Now, this series is completely whacked out. This series is nuts. This series is insane. I don't know. Who knows? But if I'm betting tonight, grab me the Heat, give me a point and a half, and I'll feel all right about it. Or I'll just take him on the money line either way. I will. 
series is nuts. Series is stupid. Teams win when they shouldn't. They lose when they shouldn't. I mean, it's just the way it is, and that's the way it goes. But tonight, maybe, just maybe, we'll get a little bit of sanity in our hoops tonight. I don't anticipate it. Hey, look, would it surprise you if one team beat the living hell out of the other team? I don't know, maybe. But tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I got to take the heat because I don't really know. I just feel like at some point, normalcy comes when you play enough. Certain things happen when you play it enough. All right? I'm going to take tonight, this afternoon, I'm going to take the Miami, or excuse me, the Minnesota Twins, and I'm going to move the line from one and a half to one. I'm going to take the Twins getting one. It's an afternoon game. I got no problem with anything with the Twins. I don't love the Twins. I don't think they're great. But I'm going to take the Twins. I'm moving it to minus one. And my toes are going to be tapping. Lastly, because once again, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm taking the Chicago Cubs on the money line. Why, you ask? I'll tell you why. Because I'm a homer. And they're playing the Reds. That's why. And they got their brains beat out by the Reds yesterday. And Good Kyle Hendricks is going to show up this week. Thanks to everybody for watching. You can catch me again at 107.5 The Fan in Indianapolis. You can catch us here tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. Ryan and Dylan and Corey and Davey, I thank you. Have a great afternoon. Keep it right here on OutKick. But I got to go to the damn bathroom. Dockage, as always, out.